0: If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Highway to Health Podcast, hosted by Jeremy Quinby, provides guidance, quality resources, and inspiration for anyone seeking wellness in mind, body, and spirit. There's an episode that you should check out called The Value of Our Emotions, where Jeremy helps listeners understand the role emotions serve and what we can learn about our present state by staying attuned to them. Check out Highway to Health Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.
1: I'm Tara Bradner and this is Hopeful Hints, an infertility podcast, where you will receive quick hopeful hints to guide you through infertility. Here you will find education, inspiration, and most importantly, find peace as you walk through this journey to fulfill your family vision. Today's episode is brought to you by Protea Nutrition, Dr. Bradner approved. Protea Nutrition was designed specifically for women and encompasses all fitness and wellness needs without including harsh stimulants or artificial ingredients. And the best part is many of the products can be used in pregnancy and while breastfeeding. What you see on the label is exactly what you get. Nothing hidden, no special mixes, just science-based ingredients at effective doses, keeping your long-term health in mind. Check out the link located in today's show notes to check out all of Protea supplements, including my favorite fertility-friendly products. Welcome to Hopeful Hints. I'm your host, Dr. Tara Bradner, and I am super excited for this week's guest. You might know her from the Infertility and Me podcast. She is dynamite in the fertility space.
2: Welcome, Monique Farouk, to Hopeful. Yes, I'm so happy to be here with you, Tara. We finally got to do it, get something on the books. So it's an absolute pleasure to be here with you and to your listener friends, too, as well.
1: We are honored to have you here today. Let's dive in, share a little bit about your infertility journey.
2: Yeah, so it was... 2012. I'm 29. Been married for mm, two and a half years and I was diagnosed with right tubal blockage and at that time there were no other issues. I had never been pregnant before though. I will note that I was very self-aware, very physically self-aware growing up always paying attention to my body and such. And so I knew that there weren't any underlying conditions happening within me like endometriosis and or possibly PCOS. And so when I went to the radiologist to have the HSG done, I was just clenching my pearls and (laughs) praying to all the gods that nothing was wrong, but there was right tubal blockage. They don't know what happened, where it came from. I had no previous STD issues. And so there wouldn't have been a reason for it to be there. So I had an IUI right after that, very shortly after that. I'm the kind of person, once I set my mind to something, I'm going full speed ahead. I don't waste time. And I dive deep in and I become obsessed. It's like, a blessing and a curse, you guys. Seriously, okay. And <laughs> and then so we had the IUI done, and it was unsuccessful. And my husband and I were just really like baffled, like why is it happening to us? We are partially what we consider successful. We had a house, we had the dog, we had the two car garage. that sort of a dream, American dream. And my husband being from an entirely different country you know, we thought we had did everything right. And so when it didn't happen and it didn't, like for some reason, I felt like the IUI was going to work. Like, <laughs> that's okay. We're just going to bypass that little fallopian tube and get right to it. You know what I mean? And so it didn't work. And we did not have any more fertility treatments at that time At when I was at the age of 29. And my husband is also someone who is very ambitious. Young man, he By that time, he had done so much. I can't even begin to tell you. So this for him was really, really hard in that aspect. Because you know what? cis men, they like to fix the shit, you guys. Yeah, they want to fix it. And when they can't fix it, it Fs them up. And they think that they aren't a good husband. or. That's such a good topic. We could go
1: down a rabbit hole on that. Like how, first of all, how it impacts men. But why and how? You nailed
2: it right there. They are fixers. They like to fix it, you guys. They want to fix it. They want to build it. It's in their nature. They cannot help it. And even um, homosexual men are the same way. It doesn't change just because they are in love with someone of the same gender. Men are men regardless. And we just didn't do anything else Tara. literally for four years. We did not go back for treatment. We never stepped foot again in the clinic after that last IUI. I paid them and I never saw them again. I really didn't like that clinic anyway. They were a little racially biased in the way that they treated me compared to their Caucasian patients. And it was very obvious to me. And so I never, I just never went back because number one, you made me feel like shit for being black. Okay. Mm, And I'm, I'm and and I always say like this thing because the kind of work that I was doing at the time and with our businesses and stuff, I was always very well-dressed and I always looked good, smelled good, I thought. <laughs> you know what I mean? smell you, but you look I I good. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? And I was fit and I was, I thought I was cute a little bit, you know? And I just, I thought I had everything together. And so when you are met with racial um, issues within a doctor's office, it's very traumatic. And you don't forget that. And you almost don't never, you don't, I almost didn't even want to go to the OBGYN, okay, at this point, because where I lived at, is predominantly Caucasian. And most of the places that we've ever lived are um, mostly Caucasian places because of the income that we earn um, and then the houses that we choose to buy. And so unfortunately, I just didn't want, I didn't go to a doctor for like four years, you guys, I'm not even joking. And so I'm gonna get to the point, I promise. And so we waited four years. I just continued to be physically fit, mentally stable, worked on my spiritual shit, Um, came to grips with the fact that I had freaking infertility. Okay, like you hear it, but you don't really know what it is, right? And it was that sort of a thing. And that's literally what my mom said when I told her I had it. She was like, infertility, what the hell is that? <laughs> Never even heard of it, okay? So we're doing our thing. And we're living life and we're fighting, of course, in between there, in between the good days, there's some fighting days because we want this baby. He wants to fix it. I can't give it to him. And so, you know, it's just a mess, right? In in many ways, but we stuck through it. And this is all within the first five years. You know, they say the first five years tells you everything you need to know about your relationship. And so we survived it. 2016 comes around. I had just turned. Mm, Thirty-two. I'm getting old, you guys. so I don't even care about my age right now anymore. I'm just living life, and so
1: <laughs> I'm not be. I forget too. I'm yeah. about like the after other. thirty-five. Who cares? I was like, me after thirty, I stopped counting. I was like, all right, I cried i I'm done. I'm not <laughs> doing
2: anymore. <laughs> aging gracefully over here. Normalizing yeah. aging gracefully. Okay. yeah And so it's 2016. I had just turned 32. Literally, it's our anniversary in December. My birthday's in October. And I'm like, what are we going to do? That's what I said to my husband at our anniversary dinner. What are we going to do? It's 2015, getting ready to be 2016. Nothing's happened. I haven't been on birth control since before we actually took our vows. It's been a long time. And so it's something should have happened, even with one fallopian tube. And I'm ovulating uh, consistently and I've never had endometriosis or nothing like that. And so... He was like, all right, let's do it. Let's just go to the fertility clinic. We've given it time. I said, yeah, I've given you four freaking years, man. And it hasn't happened. You wanted to keep trying? I did it your way. Now let's try it my way. Let's see what happens. And so that's what we did. I go back. The HS, the HSG test confirmed that the right tubal blockage was no longer there. So maybe there was some tissue stuck from minces or something. It got caught, but congestion, maybe mucus, I don't know. So the radiologist was really nice this time. Completely different clinic completely different state we had moved to. And so the experience was much better, much nicer. I felt more at ease. And then radiologist said, you know, sometimes things can get stuck in there because the fallopian tube is so skinny. And that's probably what happened because he saw the imagery from the previous one. And so- I go into my clinic. Everything's good, except for I still have hypothyroidism. Well, I get diagnosed with hypothyroidism at this point. And then uterine polyps. And I also had already had cervical polyps. So polyps is something that I deal with um, and had been dealing with since my mid-20s. Um, but they never had been removed. They don't cause me any issues that I know of. And so we had the uterine polyps removed. And later that summer, I became pregnant with my son. And it was the first time I'd ever been pregnant in my entire life. And it was the happiest wow. fucking day of my life, you guys.
1: Wow. Wow. What a journey. I just been sitting here at one point. I was shaking my head. Like, shame on the medical community for what you had to experience at your previous clinic. And props to you as a patient for saying, we're done. Done here. New clinic. Um, on the podcast episode just recorded with you, we talked a lot about how you do not have to be married to your clinic, to your provider. Like, seek that second opinion, third opinion, fourth opinion especially if you feel what Monique felt. That is unacceptable. End of discussion on that. That is just, I am just, it's heartbreaking to hear that, that that is, that that had to happen to you. So, and let's let's talk just briefly about, um, you had mentioned that you like had some disagreements in regards to like which direction to maybe go um, Mm -hmm. with treatment, like we did too. Share briefly about like what that was like, how to kind of muddle through that. I think you're just so good at like being open about things. Like you're the perfect <laughs> to share that.
2: <laughs> you know, it's so it's so easy to talk about it now because I had the baby. Yep, absolutely. and I had the successful BFP. But for many of us, we are finding more and more that people are walking away from this reproductive endocrinology niche, childless, and so I want to be sympathetic to those who may be listening, who may be making that decision now, or it may come up later. And one thing that I will say that I did, and I told my husband and I was very honest with him, is that, look, if this doesn't work within three cycles, I'm not going to keep trying. Yep. I'm not going to keep putting my body through this because as I was telling Tara in another episode that we recorded for my podcast is that I'm I usually go into the doctor well rehearsed because I take the time to educate myself On the possibilities of what could happen based on um like if I already know what the issue is and we're just gonna go and get treated now at this point. And so that's one thing I would say is always first be rehearsed in what you know and use credible websites, your your Harvards, your five um, your Ivy League schools, your NIH websites, things like that. Go to the forums, but use it with a grain of salt, right? But so to Tara's question about dealing with your spouse and or yourself, if you're doing it single by choice, is having a plan about what's going to happen if it doesn't happen, right? So like we hear it, we see it, but I don't think we really quite register it until it's too late. Yes. And then we're frantic and we're anxiety driven and anxiety focused and we can't think straight. And if you don't have the support that you need, you can't work through your thoughts. You literally need a second person in a lot of situations in life, not just fertility and trying to conceive, you need someone else to bounce those ideas and those thoughts on because they can help guide you back to some normalcy because you're running rampant with emotions about your situation. And so when I was dealing with my husband, who I told you guys, is very ambitious, very strong-headed, knows what he wants and very direct. It was difficult because we are the same in that way and it's like two bulls fighting each other, two male bulls fighting for the female bull. And it just wasn't working. And so that's why the four years was, it was so long because it was just always this constant back and forth, constant back and forth. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. And because he's the breadwinner of the family, it, it I didn't have a choice. What choice did I have? He's going to pay for it. He's going to spend the 20 grand to get started, right? Absolutely. Now. Absolutely. If I was making the kind of money back then that he was, then I could have gone and did it myself, but then how disrespectful that would have been too. So either way, you and your spouse, you definitely have to be on the same page, like whole freaking heartily. Whatever choice that you choose to go, whatever route that you choose to go, you have to be on the same page because if not, it's going to build resentment and you're already going to have feelings of resentment or they may have feelings of resentment because one of you, is to blame for this situation and we don't want to we, we want to alleviate those types of issues that are unnecessary get on the same page whether it's adoption sperm um issues and you need ICSI or if you need a sperm donor if he has az sperm here you know that's very common a lot of people don't talk about that and so you have to be on the same page that would be my advice talk it out cry, oh good, fight it out whatever
1: So, so good. That rolls perfectly into your three hopeful hints for us. Your first one is you were not a failure. Let's hear it.
2: You're freaking not. Okay. End of it. (laughs) Period. (laughs) Period. That's that's what all the young people are saying. Period. With a T in. You're not a failure. You're not. You're not. And even if there are lifestyle aspects to your situation that may cause the infertility, but at the same time, it is a medical issue. And so what does that mean? It means it's out of your freaking control. Amen. Yes. Out of your control. Yes.
1: Absolutely. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Why not just roll right over to number two? It's like angry. Like, these are so good.
2: Look, you guys can be angry. I was angry for a long time, but in the same instance of being angry, I was also every very effing sad about my situation. And I was very effing sad that everybody in my my family was so freaking fertile, okay? I'm talking about multiple children, you guys, without even blinking. So you're not a failure and you can be fucking angry about this shit because it sucks. It sucks. People are out here literally spending their entire savings for this one shot. And they keep taking a shot. I know people who have spent damn near 200 grand, if not more whether it was trying for the first one and having success and then trying again for a sibling and or having secondary infertility, you know? And so that's why I said earlier that you got to have a plan. How much are you going to spend? How much are you willing to spend and how much can you afford to spend? Because we don't want to go broke over this thing either. You guys let's be smart. Okay.
1: So good. And just validation of feelings. Like that's what I got out of what you said right there. Like you're allowed to feel whatever it is you're feeling Just know, at the end of the day, once again, it goes back to your number one. Like it's not you. You're not a failure. You're doing the best you can with what you have and what you don't. End of that. And that's it. Mm
2: -hmm. And society isn't giving us much. Nope. Nope. We're leaving. Pretty much, female reproductive organs is (laughs) nothing in compared to the male aspect. Why? Because men rule the world. Mm -hmm. They control everything.
0: Yep.
1: Absolutely. And it's time to change that. As we talked about your podcast, guys, are gonna have to go check out. Yeah. Infertility and Me podcast. That We went off on that one. <laughs> <laughs> We sure did. It was Number blast. three, you will survive. And if you hear our two voices right now, we are proof of that. Let's hear it.
2: You will survive this thing. You will. And a lot of people don't like that kind of quote and or imagery, or they may say that it's toxic positive, but it's not. Think about another bad time in your life. OK, so if you're listening to this, that means that you have come through that thing. However you came through it, whether it was gracefully or ugly, you will survive it. Yep. You will survive it. And it's too much help out here for you not to get the support that you need. OK, and hopefully some changes will happen where the insurance industry will see how traumatic this is and then cover the help that you need. By paying for your therapist. There are people who develop and or develop anxiety because of infertility and they're on medication now. And then you have a ton of people, ton of people that I've had on my podcast and I don't let, I, they mentioned it on the podcast, but I edited it out so you wouldn't hear it. But they had anxiety issues beforehand and they had to get their medication dosage up because of infertility, its effects And then not to mention the synthetic hormones we're pumping into our bodies to do this thing, okay? Take
1: the medications.
2: You will survive this, you guys. You're going to get out of this. Whether it was the outcome you want or not, you will survive this. And again, I like to be empathetic because I do, I did, I am the success story, okay? Everything we went through, traumatic birth experience, after that, we still survived it. I'm telling you guys, you will fucking survive this shit. You will.
1: Amen again. So good. And Monique, you have to share. I heard you talk on your podcast. What is this free community you have? Where can we find you? But share more too about this community you have. That's free
2: 99. Yeah, free 99. I said old saying from the 90s. I love efforts used to say it free 99. And the community itself is private. If you don't have the link, you cannot join. So if you go on my website or if you go on my Instagram account, there's a link in the bio to join the Discord chat. And that is just a space to be, to be free, to talk about fertility, to be free to talk about your spouse pissing you off today and just letting it loose and letting it go. It's a very small community right now because I've just started it. And so it won't get bigger unless you guys join, okay? All right, you we're it. gonna
1: direct- what link- drive that you need. We are direct linking this right in the show notes. So join, there's no reason not to join. <laughs> That's wonderful. Where else can we
2: find it? Where do you hang out? Not on Facebook. You're on Instagram, right? Where else? Only on Instagram, Infertility and Me podcast. And I have a personal page if you want to follow my my personal blog on Instagram too. I don't do much. I just do silly stuff on there. But yeah, Infertility and Me on podcast is where you can get the funny content, the advocacy content, as well as the Hope content as well.
1: Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, you, Monique, for being here and for all that you do for the infertility community. You guys check her out. Do not skip today's show notes. I'm going to link everything there for you. And thank you again, Monique. Thank you, Tara, for letting me be here. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over and hit subscribe or leave a review for Hopeful Hints and Infertility Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you back here next week, Tuesday.
0: If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Highway to Health Podcast, hosted by Jeremy Quinby, provides guidance, quality resources, and inspiration for anyone seeking wellness in mind, body, and spirit. There's an episode that you should check out called The Value of Our Emotions, where Jeremy helps listeners understand the role emotions serve and what we can learn about our present state by staying attuned to them. Check out Highway to Health podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.